All right, welcome into the harvest, friends. This show is dedicated to helping you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. We try to talk about difficult topics from scripture, but make them practical for our daily lives in the modern world. My name is Andrew Stroud. I'm hosting today's show. I'm joined by my teammates, McKeith Jones here in San Diego and Abigail Wilson over in San Antonio, Texas. And we've got an ambitious show today, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, hopefully it'll be something that encourages you guys and gets you thinking and helps you, helps you figure out how do we live this ancient faith in modern times. So let's start with our listener question of the week. It comes from Rachel Caslin, and she says, how can I help my kids see how they can put God's word into practice and follow him? My seven-year-old daughter is convinced loving and serving our family doesn't count. Uh, we read missionary stories a lot, and she thinks she needs a story like that to be a disciple of Christ. Hmm. Um, we're all parents. And so this is something that I think we probably all have some experience with ourselves. So Keith, what do you think about this, this question of how we can help our kids put God's word into practice? Yeah. First off, I think it's a great question for sure. And, uh, my son is eight years old now. Oh, he's nine, 10. But when he was eight years old, <laughs> he's when he was eight years old, he's one of those five. Sure. Um, he's in there. I went to go eat lunch with him at a school. And uh, we usually pray before we eat, you know, kind of customary thing, traditional, we're, we're used to it. So I brought him lunch and asked him like, hey, buddy, let's pray. And he says, no, like, I don't do that at school. You know, that's just for home. Yeah. I was like, oh, so we, we can't pray for our food, huh? He's like, yeah. So uh, I didn't I didn't press on that one. Um because I think my mindset was, I want to model for him um, the gospel and and not just try to convert him. Like, hey, well, there's no option. We're doing this, you know. So we <laughs> said a little silent prayer and we kind of moved forward. But I uh, had an interaction with a stranger one time and somehow we got on the topic of God. And at the end of that uh, conversation, he had talked to me and he says, I don't know how you brought God into that conversation, but it was kind of cool because uh it seemed kind of natural you know so i think uh my hope with that is to model for my kids uh i guess how we can live out the faith in a practical way today because um as much as i wanted them to get it really fast i just know it's not going to happen so i think sometimes when they're watching us uh almost in the off season they get some notes from that too so i think that's my uh what i got so far yeah, I think that's, um, especially that idea about modeling, I think is really important. Um, it's difficult. I know Rachel says she's got a seven-year-old here. One thought that I've had with parenting, and especially in terms of, of passing on our faith, is that it is it is an extended process. So just like you were mentioning there, that there was, obviously there was this moment in time where you're with your son there at the school and in that moment, you could feel like, oh, man, he's not seeing this mm -hmm. the way mm -hmm. that I would like him to see it. Um, and sometimes as parents, I think that we can be in a rush to correct that uh, as quickly as possible. But, you know, the Lord, there's a reason that the Lord gives us um, the extended amount of time that we have with our kids, you know, a good 18 years at least of, of direct investment in them because they don't always get it uh, right away, which is true for us as well. And so I think um, Rachel, just identifying that this is an issue with your kid is is huge because you've got time to try to to work on that. So that's the first thing I would say is 
Um, sometimes as Christian parents, I think that we can be in a rush to, to get our kids to see it the way that they should see it. Uh, another thought I had on this one was that this is pretty typical human uh, thinking, I, I believe. I was reading in Mark chapter 6 this morning in the scriptures, and Jesus is in his hometown, and uh, you know they reject him including his family. And that's Jesus's response is that, um, you know, among his own family members, a prophet does not have honor. And so I don't know what that is about human nature, but we do seem to, to feel like our, the people closest to us, our families, that's, nece that's not necessarily, those aren't necessarily people that we owe uh, service to, to be humble and uh, to forgive. Sometimes those, those can be the ultimate tests of our devotion is how we treat our spouses, our kids, and uh, our family members. So um, I don't know if that's, uh, that's good, encouraging, but you know what your daughter is is experiencing, I think, is normal. And uh, we're trying to, to, to really live this out so that it's not just something that you have to cross an ocean and go to a foreign country in order to serve the Lord. That's a big part of, of our vision as Into the Harvest is the Lord wants us to serve and represent Him um, in the everyday places. So it's, it's a good thing to be wrestling with. Yeah. Abigail, what about you? I know you've got some kids that are close to these ages. What are, what are your insights on yeah. eight, nine, 10, 12, eight, nine, 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, good stuff, guys. I agree. I think I have to remind myself of that a lot, that they're going to have different um, revelation as they move along in their Christian walk. Just the fact that our kids are all growing up in Christian homes is pretty exciting. Um, but it also means that we're here on the ground floor of their discipleship, <laughs> which can be very messy. Uh, so there's a lot of grace there for sure. Um, I think one thing that, because um, I know that Rachel is involved in community that is very, you know, she, they're involved with lots of other families doing the same thing. Um, and so I hope that they can just have more conversations about um, what she herself is doing and her husband, like, hey, do you see how mom is uh, being obedient to God? Like what, you know, can point out some things I'm doing um, and then maybe add some extra in, like, did you see how I loved daddy earlier? Or like, I loved your sister when she was being really awful or, you know, I don't know, maybe that's the wrong thing to say, <laughs> but, um, but just like in general, um, starting to point out how we as the adults around um, these kids, how we're being obedient in very small ways. Um, and I think hopefully, even though it's not as dramatic and awesome as being a missionary, um, at least maybe it'll encourage her to see how she's being obedient. Um, and I think something that Rachel is already doing, but um, just like really affirming and encouraging our kids when we do see um, any kind of obedience going on. Um, what you guys were saying reminded me of just some funny stories from my, my kids who are even younger, um, like in kindergarten, first grade, um, like getting super excited that they'd shared the gospel. And I got excited and was like, what did you do? You know, and they're like, well, I said, do you know Jesus? And the person said, yep. And I was like, cool. And then they like looked at me like, wasn't that good? And I was like, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> so I think, you know, just any, we have to affirm these moments. <laughs> like, right. It was, it was a big deal that, yeah. and then that little kindergarten mind that was like fully sharing the gospel, like nailed it. Um, so 
I think we just have to look for the ways that we can encourage um, and then affirm in within our community too. I, it's great that we have other moms and dads um, and other adults in our communities that can also affirm these things with our kids. Sometimes we don't always hear it from our own parents, but we will hear it from somebody else. So hopefully that helps. Thanks for the question, Rachel. It's really great. We are all in this together, this parenting business. True. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> a great question. It. It's a great question because True. it is, I think it's common to all of us as Christian parents, it is normal. And even as Christian adults, a lot of times this is the way people think is that, hey, I need to be Christian on the outside of the four walls of my home, but inside I can be the real me. And so I think it's great, Rachel, that you've identified this and you're working on it with your, your daughter um, model and realize that time and the Holy Spirit are on your side. And uh, it'll be it'll be good to see how the Lord helps her begin to see that. Uh, if you have a question that you would like our team to to address on the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us info at intotheharvest.org. And you can make these questions as hard as you want. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that we'll always have the answers, but um, but if you've got a question about living the faith or sharing the faith, in modern life, then we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to to try to tackle that question on the show. So make sure you reach out to us. Our main topic today is celebrity Christianity. All right, guys, what is celebrity Christianity? What do you think makes it so appealing? And why do so many Christians today trust celebrity Christians, celebrity uh, leaders, pastors, preachers? What do you guys think? Oh, man. Uh, I, I guess to start off, um, just to define this, uh, which is hard. I think it covers a lot of ground. But well, let's just say it's um, it's probably the names that you, as you're listening to this, just popped into your head. That's who it is. <laughs> we're also thinking of them, too. Uh, just a minute ago, we were all just chatting about some of the names that popped into our heads. Um, we were all like, oh, yeah, totally that person. Um, I think uh, it's those with just large followers and also are like following, I guess is the right word. Um, those with book deals and um, like very large mega churches and their sermons are on YouTube and they get quoted when things happen with Christians. That's who the media outlets are going to go to and ask their opinions. Um, so I think uh, it's a, probably a, it's as tale as old as time. And yet today it's playing out on social media, probably like never before, right? Because it's yeah. sort of a newish thing. Um, but I think the reason to kind of run into, you kind of asked two questions, but why it's so appealing mm -hmm. is because it's Christianity in a nice package. Like it's usually a human being. So it's, that's easy to relate to because they're human like us. So they can be funny and drink coffee just the way we drink coffee. Um, they can be just somebody that we could, we're like, man, if I saw them on the street, we'd probably be friends. And that makes us feel good. And But they're also talking about Jesus. And it can kind of come in this package that's so much easier to, um, to digest than, say, reading our Bibles or, like, slugging through it ourselves. I, that's the right. best way I can put it. I'm sure you guys have really good stuff to add. So. <laughs> yeah. Keith, what do you think? What, what, what would you add to or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, Abby. I think 
really you get the best of both worlds you know you get this person who's really successful they've made it you know and uh uh we all have these aspirations to to be successful it's like none of us set out to be failures so you almost look up to them like wow they've reached the upper echelon of people but they held on to the most important thing it's like they still have uh abundant life right like they're following jesus so it would seem you know so it's almost uh it's hard not to be drawn in and i think there's a reason why uh avengers and star wars and all of these movies have this like hero complex right people uh, want to be saved and they want to look up to people who can do what they can't do uh so i think it's i think it's in our nature like i think we want to look up to people who are stronger you know who more successful who can do more than we can do uh so um i mean it's hard for myself not to to get inspired by some of these people i see but yeah i think the best of both worlds you get the the faith and the success yeah i I don't think it's a um it's it's a distinctly christian thing at all i mean you look at probably the oldest story outside of the bible is uh, homer's iliad and i mean the main character there is achilles and it's a hero story it's Mm -hmm. a story about how all of these greeks drew confidence and strength by their champion this guy achilles who was basically um, unbeatable except for his heel (laughs) and so um spoiler yeah, so I, I think there's something in us just as humans, and maybe mm-hmm. it's that uh, we realize that we're very small. And so when we see another person who seems to have it all together, who seems to be unstoppable, and I think what you said was really important, that it it's someone who looks like us, and therefore we feel like we're part of it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. so this is this is also um, affirming for me mm-hmm. because this is someone who's one of us and yet they're they're above us. They're they're they have higher capabilities, and so um, you know we can we can really trust in them. So I think there's there's a hero worship is built into human nature, but I also think that uh, idolatry is built into human the, the the fallen side of our human nature where where we want to walk by sight and not by faith. And so mm-hmm. um, a celebrity or a human hero gives us someone that we can see and that we can put our trust in that this person let's just say like Ravi Zacharias who was one of the the recent celebrities who taking um, it there already <laughs> yeah um but one of the things that made Ravi so um encouraging to believers was that he was obviously brilliant and yet he had faith and and he was able to articulate uh, and defend the faith you know, so powerfully, and you could put your trust in that. Whereas if you're just trying to open your Bible and, and wrestle with it and, and try to, you know, like your, your kids there, Abigail, if you're, if sometimes that's, that's how we explain the faith is we realize that we're, we're not as capable, but just knowing that there's another human out there who is, and who's doing that, um, it can become a a sort of idolatry where we're putting our trust in these people instead of wrestling with our own insecurities and our own limitations as we follow Jesus. Well, one thing I was thinking about this is it's not it's not a modern thing either, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's something that's that's going to go away. We're we're going to have the pull towards. Um, trusting in celebrities whether those are our favorite sports players for our team um, or christians who are just really 
really gifted and really capable. I mean, this is a thought that I had. Again, I was reading in Mark today and, you know, Jesus was a celebrity. Actually, um, I was reading about this and it said that his name had become well known so that even Herod heard about him. And true. And everyone began to hear about this guy, Jesus. Um, and everyone began to, I guess, read on to him their expectations of who he was. So Herod, Herod had a take. Uh, a lot of other people believed that he was a prophet. Um, so part of this phenomenon, this uh, I, I want to say that I'm not anti-celebrity. I think we just need to be aware of what are the dangers of hmm. celebrity Christianity uh, for those of us who are not celebrities. So why don't we go there? Like, what what do you guys think? makes celebrity Christianity so dangerous and how have you seen that show up in recent years? Yeah, I uh, I got a question for you too, Andrew, so you can answer this later, maybe yeah. when you respond, but do you think God has anything to do with this? Like elevating a person yeah. uh, just because, you know, like, uh, right. I think I've seen that play out a lot where right. I think God has a doing in it, but I think the danger in it all is, um, the verse in Matthew where it says you can't serve two masters, you know, because uh, I think the truth of that verse is one is going to get your time, your affection, uh, your energy, like you name it. Uh, and that's why there can't be this this competition. Uh, so you can't serve God and blank. You can't serve God and an idol. Mm -hmm. You can't serve God. And um, yeah, wh whatever the case may be. So I think uh, how we respond to that, it's really important. So if you find yourself in that position, uh, I think the book of Acts is really good. Like you guys remember when Herod was, uh, the people were calling him like, man, you're a God. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, they elevated him way up there. And he's like, well, maybe I am, you know, right. <laughs> and he, uh, it didn't go so well for him. You know, he got, he it's got, like the opposite of, of that happened with Paul and Barnabas too, right? Where they're like, bro, Hey, it's, it's Zeus. And I'm hey, don't look at thunder. my notes, man. Oh, really? Don't be no, looking at going, my man. notes, man. <laughs> keep going. This yeah. is, we just spend so much time together <laughs> that the brains start working. The that's so that, true. No, cause that's perfect. Cause yeah, Barnabas and uh, Paul had the same exact same thing mm -hmm. happen to them, but the way they responded was way different. You know, they huh. almost pushed back and says, no, like right. we got to give that to God because if you're giving us your affection and your love, your attention, and your praise, um, yeah, that's really bad. It really right. is bad. Right. So, uh, yeah, I got a little bit more thoughts on that, but I don't want to take up too much time. So I'll pass the ball. Yeah, Abby, what well, do you I think? I finally have something to say. Yeah, yeah what, what do you think about now. <laughs> what makes it so dangerous? <laughs> yeah, I think um, one thing that I'm seeing now is that because we have so much information and we live in this like very judgmental culture, which is probably not new, but it feels that way, um, that you really don't um i feel very insecure about bringing up anyone even if i really like respect them and like love their ministries um like i don't want to name drop anyone because it might be that one person that they've they read some tweets about and they're just pretty sure they're the worst now and mm. um or maybe i'm just not up on my news i i know a lot of my friends did not know about ravi zacharias and so i kind of felt like i was having to tell them this awful news. But um, imagine if you didn't know and you were like, man, this is an awesome quote. And it is an awesome quote, but all of a sudden you've alienated your um, mm -hmm. kind of your, your message. And so I think one thing that I'm seeing now more than ever is my need to just go back to scripture um, and just go back to like the simplest of teachings that I'm willing to stand on, right? Because even even the celebrity Christians that I personally like really love and I mm -hmm. maybe fangirl over a little mm -hmm. bit, 
Um, and I do talk about them here because I am willing to like say their names and be excited about them. But in a, like a wider audience, I really try not to because we never want anything to get between the real messenger, which is Jesus. So I would much rather quote the Bible or and, and quote the truth that we 100% are willing to stand on than to quote someone else who's packaged it a, maybe an awesome way, but has baggage attached to them in some way. So I think the real problem for me more and more is in this like cancel culture that we live in is that I can't, you know, just name drop people anymore because probably somebody hates them. <laughs> so I, and it's just not worth the fight, I guess is, is the real thing that I'm starting right. to see. It's not where it's like going to bat um, over people because we're probably all, yes, definitely a sin. Like you bought coffee or like they were in front of you in Starbucks and they yelled at the barista. And so now they're like done for, you know, like th those are the kinds of things that really, um, you know, are getting in the way of the message. So I just thinking about John the Baptist and how he was pretty popular and um, maybe for weird reasons because he was bizarre, but he was definitely a celebrity of some kind and uh everybody knew about him but he when jesus showed up was like i'm gonna decrease you know i'm gonna like he will increase and i will decrease and in some ways um i think that's how we want to see ourselves and then also um those around us i mean we all kind of want to just be pointing to jesus just over and a lot of these celebrity christians are doing that and that's amazing and wonderful um, but we just need to join them instead of pointing to them. We need to also point to Jesus with them. Right. Um, so I think that's probably the, the biggest downfall that I'm seeing besides all the drama. Andrew <laughs> sent us, you guys listening, Andrew sent us like these depressing articles that I read last night. It was like the top 40 worst celebrity <laughs> oh, Christians yeah. and their scandals. Yep. And it was a real downer. What do you say yeah. for yourself, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, it is just an illustration that it's it's a real problem, and I think you're right, yeah. <laughs> especially in our modern age where information travels so quickly and misinformation sometimes travels very quickly as well. Um, I do think that celebrity Christianity, that's one of the dangers of it is that it's very easy to... Um, counteract uh, uh you know there, there's always e like none of us all of us are flawed all of us have sinned and fall short so if we're putting more value and more hope in a human leader within the church it's very easy for someone outside of the church to find dirt um and sometimes that's like that stuff that needs to be exposed because we as christians can want to turn a blind eye we don't want to believe that that sometimes our our, our heroes are doing things that they shouldn't but sometimes that's just um, that's just part of being human, like the, the a flawed person. So we, we've kind of already moved into it a little bit, but I want to talk some because um, we don't want to go too long. We could talk uh, probably an hour on this and go into all the ins and outs of recent. We didn't really really want to dive do a deep dive into specifics, you know, over the past ten years. Um, all the all the the catastrophes that we've seen. Even though we read the articles, I know all <laughs> yeah. about it. I mean, I think people <laughs> listening, like, there's probably immediately some yeah. some names and faces that jump to mind. So we're we're really more concerned about the phenomenon of celebrity Christianity and can we take a better way in our own lives and in our own faith? You know, Keith, to your question, I do think that God raises up champions, um, people that He uses in an especially powerful way. Um, 
And so I don't think that, I, I, I think you can make, uh, it'd be hard not to see that if you mm -hmm. read the scriptures, you know, mm -hmm. that often that is the way God works is he, he raises up uh, a man, a woman who he's going to especially work through. I think the apostle Paul is, is a clear example of that. And he was kind of a reverse hero. He was someone who was very anti-Christian. And then when he came to faith, it was a huge boost to the Christian faith because it was a, a demonstration of Jesus's ability to transform someone so radically. So you, you get positive examples of this too, but like you said, um, Paul was very careful to always point to Jesus. So even in first Corinthians one, where he says, you know, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Um, you know, Je Jesus is the one that you guys should be bragging about and boasting in and only in Jesus and in, and in his cross. So Paul was a, a champion who refused to become a celebrity. Hmm. And uh, so I think that maybe is a, a good way to distinguish it, that, that God does raise up champions, but we need to be very cautious not to buy into the celebrity side of that. Yeah, it seems like uh, the only thing that God opposes in the whole scriptures, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but is the proud. I don't remember God saying that, hey, I specifically oppose these people. But uh, yeah, humility, you can't get on God's bad side with humility, but with pride, man, uh, whew, it's a big one. So right. something that, I, that this made me think of was just... Um, that we're talking about like big celebrities that like everyone listening will know, but don't you guys think that this also plays out on like a small scale, like within our, even our own ministries or like, yes. maybe we have, you know, like uh, over several states and you'll like, people will just talk about so-and-so so much that you're like, oh right. man, I can't wait to meet that person. Um, and so a lot of times, I mean, this can just be even within our own, we're like mm -hmm. pointing fingers way out, but we should probably just go ahead and point them at ourselves too, that, mm -hmm. you know, we have our little minor celebrities in our churches and, and our ministries. Um, and I think that it can be easy to do also if they just seem a couple of steps ahead of us and they have really amazing wisdom, but you know, we love them and we're making connections with our neighbors, our friends, and they are loving us, like just as a friend, not as a celebrity. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you know, Abigail, let's, let's talk about Jesus. And instead of talking about Jesus, I'm like, come on over. I want you to meet Andrew and Keith. Like they're so cool. And, mm -hmm. and I, and it's like inadvertently I've started hyping up you guys versus hyping up Jesus. Mm -hmm. I guys, I've, I see that happening um, just in my own life, like you just, without even realizing it. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there too. <laughs> so, so maybe we got a couple minutes here. What, what are some, what are some antidotes? What are some ways that we can try to, we're not going to get rid of it. This, this phenomenon, it's, it's sort of built into our human interactions, but you know, how can we try to minimize it? What do you think, Keith? Yeah. I like that you said we're not going to get rid of it because, um, I think back to Moses and Aaron and the whole thing with the golden calf and how they were waiting on Moses, but he didn't come back. So there's this calf. And would you believe that later in the Bible, <laughs> Moses, Aaron, both dead, long gone, but the golden calf came back, you know? So uh, yeah. it was all, it was going to resurface at some point. So it's always going to be a thing if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But I think if we let God uh, be the alpha and the omega, like the beginning and the end, the first and the last, if we always go back to him, then it's going to be really hard 
uh, to go wrong in this area. Because uh, you said it earlier, Abby, instead of pointing back to people or things or to methods or organizations, mm -hmm. like if we always go back to him, uh, yeah, you really can't go wrong. So I know that it's very popular for um, mission-minded uh, ministries like ours to point back towards Acts 17. But I think there's some truth there that uh, we have to go back to the source uh, and go back to the word and check on people, you know? So like, even as we share podcasts and we're spitting out things and uh, yeah, it's okay to get along with your with your Bible and God to, and to pray through those things and look into them yourself because uh, you can't go wrong that way, you know, because things are going to come up. So hmm. yeah, you, I agree, Keith. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, be like the Bereans, like start digging into the word for yourself. Um, I think it's very, it's a great place to start, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're a pretty new believer to find people of faith to look up to um, and to learn from. And man, if you're a baby Christian and you don't even have someone to disciple you, then, you know, having amazing sermons of, of people that are, you know, legit to look to is a great thing. Like I'm not downing any of that, but always go back to the scriptures for yourself. Um, I think this is probably all the more important today as we see like little um, just things getting watered down and um, problematic uh, theologies running rampant. Um, and so I think, boy, I feel like we're broken records, but it's probably worth it. We just have to keep going back to the scriptures for ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. And if we have questions to keep um, just asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. And as we're discipling others, I think that's what we should try to point them to as well. Um, I think it can be easy to uh, get wrapped up in the excitement of celebrity culture uh, and um, book, new books that are come out that were like, yeah, you should read it, it's awesome, um, hmm. even old books. Uh, and instead just really <laughs> trying to stay focused on the word and on the Holy Spirit to guide us. Um, so I think it's it should be used as a tool Celebrity culture should right. be a tool that we're using, but not something that we're relying on yeah, as our source of life. That, that's really where mine was. My, my mind was going is that if if you're learning from someone who's very well known, and it's helping you live out your faith in in your everyday life, then that's great. You know, that's 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 part of how God will use others in our lives. But, um, if you're being entertained by someone, if that's sort of an, if it's an end in itself that you're taking in, whatever it is, whatever it is that they're putting out, or if it's, it's what you're basing your identity in, um, Hey, I am a, I'm one of these people. I'm, I'm a follower of this person. Um, and that's what's giving you your assurance or your confidence then those would definitely be yellow flags that that you're buying into the dark side of celebrity Christianity, um, which is something definitely to avoid. So, well, guys, uh, it's hard to really cover such a big topic, but I, I hope that some of what we shared is, is helpful for you, our, our listeners and our viewers. And if you've got some thoughts on celebrity Christianity and and how to best navigate it in our modern age, we'd love to hear from you leave a comment on the YouTube video here or communicate with us on social media. And uh, we'd love to learn from you as well. For our faith and culture segment this week, we're talking about how to judge well as Christians. This is definitely one of the most uh, 
challenging topics. I told you we had an ambitious show lined up <laughs> today. Um, so, you know, hate the sin, um, love the sinner. As Christians, you know, how, how do we do that, especially in an age when things like sexuality and gender, things that have traditionally been understood as sinful activity, become tied to someone's identity. And so, you know, hating the sin gets equated with hating the sinner because that is the source of their identity now for so many people. So let's let's dive into it, guys. Like how how do we as believers judge? How do we hold the line on truth without becoming judgmental? Abigail, you want to take first stab at this easy question? <laughs> oh, sure. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, maybe we need to go ahead and make some 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 differential between um, are we talking to someone who says that they're a follower of Jesus and or are we talking to someone who is not yet a follower of Jesus? And I think we would probably approach those two people very differently. Um, so which one do you want me to go with first? <laughs> Should we go with the Christian? I don't know. Sure. Like how, yeah. I'll tell you what I'm going to say. So um, I think... Uh, in today's modern culture, you know, we are being told a lot by the world and um, we're also being told what is kind and what isn't kind and what's loving and what isn't loving. Um, and that's not always a biblical um, truth. And so it's always important to remind ourselves first what we're offering people. Um, really, I, I almost hate that we, uh, we needed to because it is probably the most um, like fiery hot rod of a topic as um, like sexual identity, but I almost wish we hadn't because really this is just sin, right? This is just sin in people's lives. And this is just the one that everyone's very excited about talking about um, in a negative well, way. I think, I think um, this one is, is it, it, the thing that makes this one so hard, I think Abigail is that it, it is an identity issue. And so, um, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but Okay. Like there, sure. there are other sins. I mean, maybe not. Maybe there are other sins that people practice, but they don't necessarily, this is who I am as a person, Oh, if that makes sense. Oh, well, I was thinking of like, I mean, even people living together, um, they're not married and they're, you're like, they're, you know, living together as though they were married. Um, I guess that was an example to me because that kind of is identity. Like you love that person and all of a sudden I'm coming in and telling you that that's wrong and you got to stop it. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, maybe I'm making yeah. it messy. Should I back <laughs> off? Do you want me to restart? No, no. <laughs> okay, it's fine. I'm going to keep going. Um, I think the big thing to remember is that all sin um, is basically the lie of us saying to ourselves that what I want is good. And it's better than what God has for me. And so I will, I'm going to make my own choices for myself because this makes me feel good. Um, by the way, this hundred percent I'm stealing from um, Jackie Hill Perry, who wrote an awesome book called Gay Girl, Good God. And her like maybe first two chapters about Adam and Eve are like legit. Some of the best um, just explanation of the gospel um, I use it like literally just in explaining the gospel. It's so incredibly good. Um, but it then simplifies that for me so well, because if I am trying to explain to another believer why we care so much about um, the 
the identity that God has given us and why we want to really fight for that, even in today's culture, um, is because we believe that what God made to be true about man and woman um, is is good and that it's worth fighting for and that even though sin has has snuck in and made it a struggle it's still worth the struggle um mm. and i think uh having to do that in love can be really really hard because there are going to be people that are definitely not going to hear it um maybe even those listening i'm super sorry i, I love you <laughs> but um i I think that it's worth fighting for. Like, I think hmm. these are things worth fighting for in the community of believers, because that's where people are looking for truth about who God is. And if we are watering down the truth about what God, hmm. who God is and what he has to offer people, man, I'm so sad. If someone is living in sin and we're telling them that sin is okay, that's super confusing. So I think we really have to, to stand, to make a stand. Um, on the other side of the coin for a non-believer, they don't know Jesus yet. So I'm not going to like start with, um, you know, their, their sin and start from there. I'm going to start with Jesus and work the other way. Okay. I rambled enough. Please, somebody <laughs> save me. Is it a, can we do a cancel culture on Abby? She brought up a celebrity Christian. Can we, uh, <laughs> is this one of those things that qualify or nah, maybe not. Okay. For me, uh, I think, um, yeah, one, it's really tricky, but it's always been a thing, you know. Uh, so in the New Testament, when non-Jewish folks, Gentiles, were becoming Christians, it was a big thing to wonder, uh, yeah, how were they supposed to behave? What was moral? What was immoral? But I love what Abby said about starting with Jesus and working mm -hmm. your way from there. So, right. uh, and not trying to um, almost uh, push our convictions on non-believers because, uh, yeah, Paul talks about it a lot, is that we're not to judge those outside of the church. And I, I'm not saying that you can't have an opinion or a stance on something, but I definitely see us believers getting worked up about things right. with people who have nothing to do with the church, if that makes sense. Uh, and then with the new church, I've learned this the hard way, but you do want to speak the truth and love. Um, yeah, like if I'm, if I'm headed for a train wreck, Andrew, and you see me headed that way, I will want um, more than anything else for you to come and let me know, like, Hey Keith, bro, like right. you're going to wreck your life doing this, you know, like, and, uh, right. uh, obviously if we could do that in private, that's even better because yeah, we got the notes, like the Bible uh, talks a lot about judging those within the church and how to handle, uh, interpersonal like conflict. So I think we've got the source. So the source, so always go back to the notes, but, uh, yeah, I do think there is a place uh, for those who are following, the Lord to uh, be corrected, you know, and mm -hmm. Hebrews talks about how no discipline feels good at first, but to those who've be tra been trained by it, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So uh, there is a place for uh, judging and not judging. And ultimately, God is going to get the last say because he's going to sort it all out at the end. Yeah, I think one of the questions, I guess a preliminary question, and how, how we put this uh, when we were first talking about it is, uh, when is it appropriate to judge and when is it inappropriate as a believer? And so that's sort of just step one is acknowledging that we are supposed to judge. Mm -hmm. um, you really can't go through life without judging. And so I, I think that there are three guidelines that I would want to share with people 
and this will probably be the, the, the main thing that I have to say on this. And, and you touched on one already, which is the standard that we use. And so in, in Matthew 7, probably the most quoted verse from Scripture by non-believers, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge so that you will not be judged. And so a lot of times non-believers will, will accuse Christians of being judgmental and they'll reference Matthew 7. Um, to say, hey, you're even Jesus said you shouldn't be judging people, and and you're judging me, and so that's that's kind of created a whole mindset. We were actually laughing about this. We learned that uh, Keith, I, I was teasing that this is one of the most popular tattoos is on, only God can judge me. <laughs> I was young, and I was in, young. in all my years of being friends with Keith, I didn't know that he's actually got uh, oh this tattoo. <laughs> but that's the mindset. Hey, you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. And Matthew seven, actually, uh, my understanding of Matthew seven. Uh, verses one through six is Jesus instructing us on how to judge, not prohibiting us from judging. Mm -hmm. If you continue to read, yeah. you'll see that that he begins to tell you how to judge right. appropriately. And so the first is have have the right standard, because you're going to be judged by that same standard. And so Christians make the mistake oftentimes by judging people outside of Christ. And so we've got some idea of a Christian stance on an issue and then we really fight for that for that uh, human humanized christian standard and it, it may or may not have anything to do with jesus it may be a, a cultural a christian cultural thing um just give one example and this could get me in trouble <laughs> but um i grew up in a part of the country where you could not sell alcohol on sundays when i was growing up it's probably not the same now uh, and that was really an example of the Christians within that community just not wanting to have Sunday desecrated. <laughs> uh, you can't, Tainty. hey, you could sell and drink alcohol Monday through Saturday, but Sunday. Um, and so that became like a big standard. Well, that's not, that's not really based on Jesus or the scriptures. And I'm not even saying that's wrong because we live in a country where you vote and that's what the people in that area wanted to vote. But if that was overturned and we felt like it was some great defeat for Christianity, then I, I think we're not judging with a good measure, a good standard of measure in, in that case. So that's one thing is use the right standard. The second is judge yourself first. And that's why Jesus says, you know, why offer to take the speck out of your brother's eye when there's a log in your own eye? And so that's the, the second way of judging is that you have to you have to discern your own faults. Don't try to help someone else in an area where you yourself haven't done business with, with the Lord. So be a good example. People don't like um, being critiqued by someone who has the same issue that, and they can see it in your life. And that's what Jesus was saying is, hey, take the speck out of your, uh, your own eye and then you'll be able Take the log out of your own eye <laughs> so that mm -hmm. you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. So it's not that you should never try to take the speck right. out of your brother's eye. It's just the order that you're going about it. Make sure that you're, you're dealing with that yourself first. Um, so yeah, we, we should absolutely judge, but it needs to be tied to Jesus. We need to model it. And, and the last principle I would say is, the spirit with which you judge, you know, are you condemning the person? I think that's actually truer. Don't condemn mm. so that you yourself are not condemned. So if I see like your example of the train, mm. my, 
my desire to help you avoid the train crash <laughs> is not because I look down on you and I right. think you're a dirt bag. Right. It's because I actually want <laughs> to try to help you avoid some sort of negative experience or yeah. consequence in your life. And so the spirit of judging is always a desire to restore or to help the other person, not to condemn or to look down. Because so, we have no power to do that mm -hmm. as Christians. We have no right to condemn others. Um, that's, you know, God is the judge and he's the one who condemns and validates. That's a good distinction, man. Abby, I know you had to step away for a moment. Folks couldn't see it, but um, do you want to jump in with the last word on this this topic of uh, when is it appropriate to judge as believers and when is it inappropriate? Well, I think um, I think I've told you guys that I was re-memorizing um, the love chapter this year, and it's really been helpful, honestly, like just um, re-memorizing that whole chapter about love and what it is and what it isn't um, has really been a great standard for me um, in just all interactions, you know? Like, I can really be bringing some truth, and if it's not brought with love, then it's really nothing. So um, I think that that covers a lot of ground, um, and maybe too much, and maybe too much of a blanket statement, but I, I hope that it at least gives us pause um, as we navigate these things. I do just encourage our listeners, like I think we all were in agreement that these things are worth fighting for. Um, the truth is worth fighting for in people's hearts and their souls. Their souls are worth fighting mm -hmm. for. So I think we should be encouraged in that, um, that what we're standing up against, um, the Holy Spirit's on our side. And we can, above all else, pray for conviction because that's another thing that we have to stand on is that we could all just like really come with some beautiful words of wisdom. We could come with our Bibles in hands. Um, and if it's, you know, like they're not going to hear it unless the Holy Spirit shows up. And on the flip side of that, they can be sitting alone in a room and the Holy Spirit can convict. Sure. So um, just remember that. Um, I think it's a good reminder for myself that if we if we see sin in the hearts around us, um, we ask the Lord to convict us of our own sin and to do the same for our brothers and sisters. So I think that's my last word. <laughs> well, we hope um, we hope it's been an encouraging show for you guys. These are really issues that I'm sure all of us bump up against day in and day out. And, and hopefully um, as we've wrestled with it today, um, there's been something in there that's helpful for you, uh, a scripture that we can point you to. Um, if you're watching this, show on youtube we encourage you to subscribe leave us a comment and click the thumbs up button that really helps other people see the show if you're listening especially if you're on itunes um, we'd ask you to take a minute just to give the show a five-star rating leave a review so that others know that this is a podcast that they can be helped by if they're interested in being disciples and making disciples that's that's really what we're all about so really appreciate you guys joining us today and we will see you next time on our next into the harvest show Bye. thanks for being part of our community if you find this podcast valuable there are many ways you can support it you can review it on itunes stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it you can share it on social media with your friends or you can support it directly by visiting our website intotheharvest.org clicking on the donate link and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. 
Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible. 